You feeling ready? I'm ready. All right, we're <laughs> going to start recording in three, two. Hey, everybody. I'm Naomi Sedani, and I'm the founder of Little Denty Pediatric Dentistry here in Darien, Connecticut. Come join me along for the ride and see how it unfolds. This is the making of Little Denty. What's up, Naomi? How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Talk to me about your office flooding. And then at the same time, let's talk about how you quit your job first. Okay. When'd you quit? Well, I work as an associate in a practice like a few days a week. Um, I've been there for about a year. It was getting to the point that I needed to find a job that I wanted to keep on while the office was opening. I was planning on using this job. Unfortunately, though, it took a turn for the worse with like the office manager and just toxic culture. And I gave in my two weeks. Things happened at the office <laughs> with the manager. And so basically, when me and her were duking it out on the phone after work, I said, I'm not coming back. And literally, I quit my job on the fly. <laughs> There's no like NDA or anything, right? Like we can, we can. No, uh, no, we, okay. we have full range to talk about this. Talk to me about it then. Like what happened? We, you sent in your two week notice when? About, I guess like a week ago, December 28th was supposed to be my last day. So that was exactly two weeks. So yeah, mid-December. What like, prompted you to do that? Because you were planning to stick it out with them for a while until you grew your practice. So what made you like, nah, this is it. Sending my so weeks. I think part of it is like at least for me, I'm trying to open up my own office like two to two and a half days a week to begin with. I need the other two days to be profitable enough where I can make enough money to survive and pay my bills and all of that. This job did have that lucrative aspect to it. I was able to make more than my minimum. So I felt comfortable staying there. But then the owners made some decisions over the past like few months with hiring a new doctor, not having enough patients, um, you know, without any consultation with like any of us providers. And so just in terms of, I guess, like percentages, my production or take home took a 60% hit. Oh, man. Yeah, it was like a massive hit. And I kept trying to work with them um, and the office manager to figure out ways that we could, you know, if I'm making money, the office is making money. But it was just very clear that that wasn't really a priority to them. It's kind of one of those um, mill-like offices. Mm. And so I found another job that I'm planning on starting at the end of January. And so I was like, huh, you know what? Don't really need this. A few weeks is fine. I'm going to be on vacation the first week of January anyway. It's a little blip in the road, but my mental health has been feeling much better yeah. <laughs> ever since I decided not to go back. Okay. I was like, you're, you're pretty calm for, I thought you quit and then you're like, this is it all in on Lil Denty. Oh, and then that's, well, you know, I would if I could, but with all these prices of like the build out costs, yeah. <laughs> that was unfortunately not part of the plan. <laughs> okay. 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 It makes, makes a little bit more, yeah. I guess, sense. Uh, real quick, mental health wise, why was it so, when did that start where you're like, this is not, I hate this. It's hard for me to speak to like other specialties, but I think when you work with kids, um, there is a very like caring, empathetic side to it and you need to be able to deliver care a certain way. And when that's hindered by the office practices, the office manager's intense personality, or even like, I don't know, professionalism being taken away, it just kind of like takes like a toll on you. Like you don't want to enter that practice. You don't want to go. You don't want to treat anyone. And it's just like repeatedly showing up, showing up, showing up every single day to that environment. It just finally like hits you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Okay. Then you just quit. Yeah. What was that? Subway. And I was like, I am not coming back. 
And then they did not take me seriously, apparently, and still had patients scheduled. And I was like, I told you. (laughs) Who'd you talk to when you told them that? The owners. What did they say? They never responded. Wait, you told them over the phone or? So I got into, um, basically what happened is the office manager contacted me after hours saying to not come in the following day because there wasn't enough patients on the schedule. Mm -hmm. But she was allowing the other provider to come in. I was asking why that was happening because I am more senior to the other provider. Just in terms of my time of being at this office, I should be the one allowed to be there. I'm just curious why she chose the other one. Mm -hmm. She wasn't giving me any answer. She was, in fact, her response was like, what's your problem? You're leaving anyway. It doesn't really matter. Like, just like odd, non-professional communication. I've been having issues with her. So the owners already knew about it. I contacted the owners just saying, hey, this is like what's kind of going on. I'm really frustrated. I don't know how you're expecting me to work in this environment. Like, I don't think anyone in my field really would be putting up with this. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a response. An hour later, I was like, I don't need this. This is not worth it at the end of the day. And so I sent a message to the owners saying, I'm not coming back. I don't love leaving on this note, like, because I pride myself on professionalism, but I feel like I'm being put in a situation that is not good for anyone. And apparently he did not translate that over to the office manager. And so, <laughs> yeah. So then let's, let's reverse this real quick. Put yourself in the doctor's shoes, right? The, the, the owner's shoes. How would mm-hmm. you have liked to have this been handled? Communicate with the provider who's complaining to you. Okay. <laughs> like, good silent. So number one, so have they even communicated with you at all? Still to, okay. Okay. So yeah. number one, communicate with the provider, obviously. Second yeah. is... Communicate with them way before you add more, mm-hmm. I guess, another provider, right? Yeah. So like prior to this particular scenario happening, like about a month or two ago, I had reached out to the owners to be like, hey, me and the other providers have been talking. This would be like really great if, you know, communication would be had with us. We know like we're not the owners. If you decide to make changes, that's on you. But like just giving us a heads up, for example, you know, when you're doing nitrous and up, on kids and you're typically given 45 minutes to an hour and suddenly they're making two columns, 30 minutes each with op and nitrous, you don't just walk into that and are like, oh, hey, that's an easy schedule change. That's completely a whole different ball game. So yeah. Yeah. It was things like that, that were just like, it. I don't think that they cared. As per my understanding, speaking to like people who used to work there, there was like high turnover for similar reasons. It's just, you kind of go into things and just hope that Rumors are not true. How long have you worked there for? A year. A year. Okay. Yeah. What did you like about the office manager? The ease, I think, like in communicating about certain things. So, you know, I think one of the hardest things is like when you get sick, all of a sudden you wake up, you're like, whoa, I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. I've been in other offices where they would still make you come in. Like you had to show proof of X, Y, Z, like almost like they wouldn't believe what you were saying. But she was always like very easygoing about that stuff. And I think I always appreciated that. Another thing was my father had gotten like really sick during my time there. And she was like very understanding. There was one day where we got some news that completely jolted me. And it was like very clear, like I mentally was not there. And she was like, you should go home. We'll just handle this for like the rest of the day. We'll just cancel the patients. And I I appreciated that support on that day. I'll never forget that. But what was the news? uh, Unfortunately, he got cancer. So it was, yeah, he had a, it was you know, the different stages of cancer, it Mm -hmm. was news that was determining what stage he had. So I think it was just one of those like shocks of like when you see like what's actually the, so yeah. Could I ask what stage it was? Three. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you just got like 
oh, it went on something. <laughs> I'd be like, oh no, I'm, I'm checking. Yeah. Your mind goes to, you know what I mean? The, yeah. and you're not there. You're not there. No, no. And it, it was like one of those things. I was like, we weren't really sure where it was going. And if it was this stage, and this is the treatment you could get and like blah, blah, blah. So it was just like, it was so much like happening and I probably just should not have even opened up that email <laughs> like yeah. when I was at work. But the office manager understood. OK, maybe it is what it was like that. Maybe the office, ma- maybe the owners were like, hey, look, she's transitioning out. She's moving out. I want you to focus on the other providers so they can build face right and all that stuff. And then maybe you think that's what happened. I would like to think that. I just really think that there's disconnect between the owners and the office manager. There are general dentists who've owned this practice. They do not know anything about peds. So Uh like I've only physically met them once. And when I asked them to come in so that I could like have that talk a couple months ago, I'd never spoken to them before that. Mm -hmm. So there's just like massive like disconnect. And now you're going where? um, I'm going to be working for a pediatric dentist that runs an OR. So I'll be going into the OR like two days a week. And just kind of just doing those like full mouth rehab cases, which is going to be a nice change of environment from like my private practice opening up and stuff. So I think it'll be good. Yeah. Does he or does this practice know that you are creating your own? I don't think so. I didn't bring it up in the interview, but also I'm opening up in Connecticut. He's in New York. There's like by no means any worries. If anything, like if I need patients that need help, I would probably be sending it to him for the OR cases, if anything. Yeah. That's true. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, man. So not awesome, but like, you know, at least you found <laughs> uh, a good thing. And then right now you can kind of like just relax a little bit, you know, before. Yeah. I was just telling someone, I was like, I don't know how many owners or soon to be owners get this like prime time before like office opening. I'm actually so grateful. The amount of work I just got done in the past like 48 hours since I quit this job has taken me almost like a week or two weeks to complete. And I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> What did you get done? Oh my gosh, like so much. Um, I got like all the stuff for like my banks and everything, like the financial statements that we need for like invoices. I was able to finally work with Dark Horse about figuring out like the nitty gritties, like with my IT, making some decisions about equipment. I'm trying to implement like certain systems into place right now. I want to foundationally have little things like that. And just like even, I don't know, I guess like stupid stuff, like having a document that has all your usernames, passwords, your contacts for who's your electric, who's your plumbing, who's this, who's that. Just like taking the time to like actually just sit down and write it. You just feel like so much more accomplished and like ready to go. Yeah. It's like you organize it, systematize it, right? It's efficiency. So much goes into just organizing. I think that's good. Then fast forward, your office got flooded. What happened there? Oh my gosh. So It's a building that was renovated in 2019. I was the second to last tenant. And the very last tenant is in the space right behind me. But they're not doing like a build out as extensive as dental. They're just like one of those like typical like nine to five office sort of things. Mm -hmm. I guess like overnight, they ran their dishwasher and it must have not been secured properly to plumbing or something because they just moved in like in this past week or so, flooded everything. I actually like even have like a video I can show you, but it went, I'm on the second floor, like right above the parking garage. The parking garage even got incredibly flooded. And everything. Yeah. yeah look up, look up the video. Yeah. You can uh, see it. I don't know if you can like see this, but do you see that big puddle? That's the parking garage? Yeah. That's all the water from our units. Where is that coming from? The dishwasher. Can you believe that? And then it went all the way. So this is their unit over here. And this is all mine. So this is like actually where the nitrous and oxygen is. So you can see it like leaked into there. And it went into two of my rooms, the employee room. It like went into the hallway. 
and we had just finished putting in like the flooring. So like we have to basically uproot like all of the hardwood that we just put down, like wreck down like the ceilings, make sure there's no mold or anything. Yeah. Is that, is that involved delays? Like who covers that? What happens so, there? My understanding from when I spoke with the landlord um, is that it's going to be coming both from the landlord as well as like the tenants behind. When I spoke with the project manager, it doesn't seem like there's going to be delays. Um, I'm opening up in February and right now we're the third week of December. So they're airing out everything over the Christmas holiday. So like on Saturday, they're going to be going in, they're going to open things up. And next week she has the people coming in who did the flooring painting. And if everything's okay on that front, we should still be pretty good. We've already gotten IT to come in. Luckily, none, none of the my dental equipment got affected because the rooms that were flooded were the ones I didn't outfit to begin with. So cool. I got very lucky with yeah. that. So IT just came to check it out or what? Like no, Dark Yeah, Dark Horse just happened to be coming in like a few days before this flooding. So they put up everything at this point. Yeah. And so yeah, I <laughs> got very, very lucky. I thought like Ruben and his team just flew out there for that. I was like, dang. That's like <laughs> mega <laughs> customer service. Yeah. But no, that's good. That's good though that they, they checked it. So is it all fixed yet or no? No. Um, so this just happened yesterday. And oh my so, gosh. yeah. So what are we on? Wednesday? No, Thursday. So yes. in two days, they're going to be opening up the walls. Right now, they're just trying to dry out everything. Yeah. Hopefully there's no more. Man. You know, that's what I'm praying for. If So did this cause a delay or no? At the moment, no. As per my project manager. Um, she thinks we can still get the inspector in for second week of January. And I think we're pretty good on that front for everything. However, if that visit doesn't go well, then maybe there might be a week or two delay. That's my only thing that I can imagine. But yeah, luckily, I'm not trying to open up like third week of January. I'm opening up like the first week of February. So yeah, hopefully they find like, I don't know how often that happens. How much would that suck if like a year from now it happens all over again, you know? Oh my gosh. I know. I feel like very lucky that I don't have patients in the door. I was thinking about it. I was like, what are they supposed to do? Like wear rain boots and like squish their way, like the rooms. <laughs> like Their car that. just. <laughs> right. Like. Everything. Yeah. They're like, what's the rain today? What? What? <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh, it's water park day. It's a theme day. <laughs> Not the opposite. Water park day. You can't even get think about it. Yeah. That'd be cool. No, but no, that's super interesting. Okay. Awesome. So yeah. this episode, we're going to be talking about financials. Yes. First and foremost, what bank did you decide to go with? Um, I actually went with a local one in Pennsylvania. So it was like a big journey, actually, to sort of figure out like what bank to get the loan with. I think a lot of people who are going through this, they have no idea where to look for stuff. So like when you Google things and like when you're looking on like all these groups for dentists who are going through this, it tends to be like things like Huntington Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. I I think those are like the three major ones. The problem is, and especially now since COVID with the prices like skyrocketing, they have like a cap how much they give. And then additionally, they also limit where that money goes to. So like, say it's like a $600,000 loan, they'll only give like 10% for equipment. It's a little bit more of like a struggle to figure out like how to navigate the money. Um, I heard from a good number of people that if I could get like a local bank to work with me, it would be a lot more flexible and easier. And sometimes even the rates can be a little bit better. Um, so I'm from Pennsylvania and mm-hmm. like license and like all that stuff is like still out there. My parents, like I've mentioned before, are both physicians and they own their own private practices. So they've been actually with the same bank for years. 
And I don't know, everyone in Pennsylvania, like where I grew up, like everyone knows each other. <laughs> so just like hop skipped over to that bank and was like, hey, like <laughs> looking to do this. Um, and they actually worked incredibly well with me. And I'm grateful for the journey that I had with them. When I reached out to Bank of America and Huntington, it was a very quick, give us your personal financial statement. Hey, like give us this, your tax returns, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is how much we're going to give you. But there was no like questions like about like, how much exactly is the square footage? How much exactly is the equipment? They find out that information later, but a lot of people are just trying to get that money up front right away. With my bank, it was complete opposite. I had to give all that paperwork to get the loan approved. So mm. I think I got the loan approved sometime in May and I had been in the conversations with them since February, March. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was a very long process, yeah, but it was good because I had to get all like the equipment stuff. I had to get like all the little nitty gritty details, which helped me actually, because once the loan was dispersed, I had like everything like ready to go. And I didn't have to do the research after and get like a little bit surprised. Did they require a business plan from you? Yeah. So I have a consultant, um, Jean St. Louis. She and I had created that business plan together based off of whatever she thought was like appropriate. So that was sent on her end to the bank. How did that break it down to me? How did that business plan look like? Quite frankly, it was more of like a performa. I think that at the end of the day mattered a lot more. Demographically, I don't think the bank, at least my bank, it was first Keystone Bank, by the way. I don't think that they ever cared. They weren't really about like, oh, where are you opening? Like what is going on? They cared more about like the performa. So Jean had it broken down based off of like her experience with peed specialists and off of her demographic research. Where I'm opening up in Darien is more of an affluent community. We were trying to go private practice. We were trying to do all that stuff. And she took that into account with the performa. So it was more about like, can the bank start to expect my business to make profit? And that was expected around a 12, 18 month mark if we went exactly yes per plan with the performa. Okay. So in 12 to 18 months, it's supposed yeah. to pass break even. Yeah. That's what we're expecting. She's more conservative. So she was like, more often than not, like you tend to actually get there far before, but I'd rather give the bank this so that we all are on the same page about like something versus like hyping them up and then it doesn't work out. Yeah. Was there anything that not like shocked, but like where you're like, I need to do more research on this from what the bank is requiring for me? Like a business plan would be one, right? Or for example, where they're like, hey, do more demographic research. We don't have enough here for that or it wasn't really anything specific in terms of like my personal financial statement or things of that nature, just more how much information that they needed from everything that they expected my loan to be used for. I had to go down to the equipment place early on. So I knew exactly what chair I was pretty much going to be getting. I had to speak to a supplier to get the idea of how much supplies I was going to be using. Mm-hmm. I had to speak to Dark Horse and like get a quote early on just so I had an idea of what numbers I was going to be dealing with. Having those conversations in a world where people are thinking you're having that conversation because you have an office. And I was like, hey, I'm still gathering the information. I just kind of need to like get this so we can get the loan so I can start moving with you. That is what took the longest. And that, I won't lie, I definitely tested my patience at times. Yeah, because I feel like sometimes it's different. Like I know with sometimes Wells Fargo or Bank of America, they'll they'll look at the plan, right? PFS and all that stuff. And then they're like, okay, yeah, we'll get you your money. Then you kind of okay, what can I afford? What can I not, you know what I mean, go with? But here it was, what would you have preferred? In the moment, I was really hating it. And I was like, I kind of just wish you could see that I can do this, blah, blah, blah. 
But I'm very grateful that I did all that research beforehand. And then it was like ready to go. I already had things figured out. So I felt like I saved a lot of time afterwards versus researching and trying to find like the best deal per se. Yeah. I wasn't shocked by the prices. I'll put it that way. Oh, when it went to your, how much was your loan? 750. um, And then 100K working capital. So it was like a good, it was a good chunk of a loan compared to like when I was getting approved by Bank of America. I think Bank of America and Wells Fargo were giving me 650 and their cap is normally 700. They said if I got a guarantor, I could jump up to the 700. You got one or no? I got one with my, the first Keystone, the local bank, just because like my dad had been in business with them. But my parents are older. I didn't really want to put their name down. But since he was their client, I wasn't. It was the only way the bank would allow me to get the loan because I was based out in Connecticut. They never really did state line Mm. over the line like sort of stuff before. So it was the only reason. However, he's going to be off of that after a year. Oh, political terms. Yeah. Like in May, he'll be off of it. He had no involvement with anything like that. It was just more he needed it just for reasons or whatever. What were the interest percentages or like the terms of the loan? I got it for 4.1 for the loan and for 12 months, it was just only paying interest payments. And then for the working capital, it was whatever the interest rates were at that time. Did you ever kind of like, you know how people do that? They're like, let's get one from Bank of America and Wells Fargo and pitch it against each other for like citizens. And You did? Oh yeah, totally. Well, Bank of America and Wells Fargo like approved me early. And Jean had told me to do that. She was like, you want to get as much information as you can, like from different people and then make a decision off of it. And it was actually useful because I was able to show that local bank, like what I was getting from these other ones and try to like work with me. I was like, hey, this part of like their loan was XML. Like, do you think we can like make this happen? And so, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So then your recommendation, how far in advance should we be? Let's just say we're driving around. We found a place. We're like, oh my gosh, I want to open up right there. And I want to open up like this summer. Should I be already getting my loan? Yeah. I was not in that rush. But I think if you are planning on doing that, like you're like, I found the place. I don't think negotiations are going to be taking that long. I think then, yeah, you should go for it. I was coming from the place of what I was reading and researching and talking with people about. Build outs were taking like nine months. Mm-hmm. By the time I went through negotiations, I could secure my loan and then my loan could then finally be like added on. I wasn't in as much of a rush to like open. I wanted to open with like something good that wasn't going to have like, I didn't skip anything. Like I wanted a very good foundation. But I think if you are trying to like open up ASAP, then like, yeah, you really need to jump on like a bank that's going to work quickly. And that tends to be the bigger ones because they already have like programs in place. Yeah. I like that. I like doing the research first. I like how you did that. Um, although yeah. at the time you're like, I uh, hate this. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating because like everyone kept asking, who's your lender? Who's your lender? I was like, TPD. <laughs> like, TPD. I, yeah. I was like, I'm going to be there for you. But it's, I feel also I did get lucky with my local bank because one of my friends, he was trying to do a startup as well, but he was just getting insane rates. Someone gave him 10%. And I was like, oh, what? I was like, 10%. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. So I don't Did know. Did he pull the trigger on that or no? Oh, no. He was like, uh. not doing this. Actually, yeah. he decided not to even do a startup. <laughs> yeah. Bolted him out of it. I know. So then right now, how does your PFS look like? Your personal finance statement? So I think it was very eye-opening when I had to fill in that stuff. You know, I've only been working for three years. I was a resident for like two years. And then obviously like dental school 
my first year working, I made it like really important to myself to be able to save. I wanted to have that emergency savings fund. I wanted to be able to like have like a good like stock portfolio. So I put aside enough that could like carry half to three quarters of a yearly salary. And so I was super aggressive in that first year. But then I also started working and COVID happened about like six, seven months in. So life just like kind of paused. And because I had no social life, it was so easy to save. No student loans, none of that stuff. Knock on wood, like that's like what really got me to where I was able to open up a practice, like being a single person. A lot of my friends that have started have like spouses. So they were able to have like another salary like in the game. But for me, it was all based off like whatever assets I had. So it was just awkward in a way to like write down those numbers and be faced with <laughs> justifying. I'm like, well, I've only been working this amount of time. So like I did good for <laughs> yeah. that. What, were, what was the, well, real quick, what's an emergency savings for you? Like, give me a number. Like, this is a good number. This is my emergency savings. Six months. But like. Six of like, oh, oh, value-wise? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think because I just dipped into it. Wait, did you dip into it because it was an emergency or no? Oh, no, it wasn't emergency. I was like, wait, hold on. I like move things around. It was 60. 60. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Once you spend 60. Jeez. I live in your city, Brent. Hello. How much is rent over there? I pay like almost four grand oh my a month. I know. I know. For like so, a, a one bedroom, two, three, a mansion? Like one. I know. <laughs> I wish it was the mansion. Jeez, I know. Doesn't that like break your heart? I know. That <laughs> is. That's a lot. I have a parking garage, which was like an extra cost. I had um, all those malpractice, like all the disabilities, because who knew when I would have to use an emergency fund? It could be when all that was like getting renewed. Yeah. So yeah. To be able to like save enough cushion. That's a ton of cushion. I Well, my monthly expenses, just living life in New York with like commute and like all of those things, student loans and everything. It comes out to like about like eight to 10 sometimes like a month. I know it's not ideal, but like half of that is my rent. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Let me ask you, monthly expenses, is it like, all right, you know what I mean? We're eating now once a week or whatever, or is it like grocery shopping? We're cooking at home the whole month. And at the same time, I have no car, no gas. Or what is like monthly expense? Like, are you living like, so we're on the scale. I'm very big about during the week, I'm not really eating out. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner typically are like made at home. I don't know how people eat out lunch like every single day. In my mind, I'm like, that's so much money. And also in New York, like lunch costs like fifteen to twenty dollars. So you're like losing almost five hundred dollars a month just solely on like lunch. I was always usually bringing like my own coffees and all that stuff. But with that said, when I was trying to have like a good time like out on the weekends or like when I wasn't working, I do choose like the nicer places. That part I will not deny whatsoever. But that is like my time. Like that is like exactly what I want to do. Anything I call a self-care that mm-hmm. is going to make me feel a little bit happier. I don't yeah. mind dropping money on. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. Interesting. Any major debt then that you had? Yeah, student loans. Um, I think, where am I at with it? It's not as much compared to like, I got very lucky. My parents paid for my college education. And then they paid for one year of like Wayne Dental School. So I think over my three years, I owe 168. So that's okay. like basically my biggest expense. But that's also been on pause since COVID. So luckily, that's been also a saving grace for me. Did they say anything about when it's going to be unpaused or no? So it was supposed to start January next month. But I guess with all these like loan forgiveness stuff that Biden's been pulling, um, it's going to the Supreme Court. 
So they're expecting a decision probably sometime in the next few months. And after that, it will be 90 days before like they have to start payments again. I'm a little bit curious like about what mine's going to be when that does happen, because obviously like when I was a resident, um, my salary was like X amount. So my student loans were like extremely low, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to be in a startup. I don't know what my salary is going to be or if I'm even trying to be able to pay myself a salary. So I don't really know like how much I'm going to have to start owing once that all begins. Yeah. Interesting. But, okay. Yeah. So then you also talked about your because investment, right? Like your portfolio and everything like that. Yeah. You still got that going on? Yeah. Um, I think that was like a really big thing for me that it was really important. Like I didn't know much about stocks. Like I didn't know much about investing. Any money I made in residency was truly just to like survive and like mm-hmm. eat. And so when I finally was starting to make money, I was like, okay, priority, like I said, was like the emergency fund. Once I nailed that goal number, it was like, okay, let me start like investing. What's an IRA? Like I just like never heard of these things. So I made it a priority to put stuff away in like a Roth IRA, max that out as much as I could every year. And then my other assets is just like my stock portfolio. So I just started kind of going into that. And I put aside trying to remember when it was at its peak. I think my portfolio was a hundred. And then I'm sure right now, (laughs) I don't want to look, but (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to like 80. Yeah, don't look, don't look, yeah. (laughs) I'm not looking. I don't want to touch it. I'm happy with where my investments are. I trust that they're going to be okay after a couple of years. That's a long game on that one. But okay, so that's your, all this you had to present to the bank. Yes. Okay. So then what was the number? You know, you said you had to put a number down and, and, and tell them like, well, you know, I wasn't COVID guys. This is only for a year. What was that number? Nearly every single bank, except I think like first Keystone, the bank I landed up with, made me feel like very small for like the investments I have. I just turned 34. So when I was going through this, I was 33. They were like, oh, what about your real estate? What about this? Like, what about that? And I was like, mm, do not have any of that like mm-hmm. attributed to me. Like my goal was like all of this. I almost felt like I had to defend my numbers. And at that point, I was like, dude, I'm proud of what I did in like a few years. Yeah. Hello. Um. But yeah, they were, I kept getting a lot of questions like about my assets. Like, where's your like real estate? Like, what about this? Like, what about that? And I think it was just coming down to what could they take from me in case I fail? Oh, really? Yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. like that's what, really what it kind of came down to. And I, I was like, I don't really have much. I guess you'll get my savings and my stocks. But Yeah. I'd have been like, Real estate, yeah, I like it. Like I, I watch Sunset, uh, you know, on Netflix, and you know, like it's, it's kind of nice. What about you? What what show do you like? You know, like, like I don't know. That's man. And it's like to so me. hard right now to like invest in like real estate. I'm going through this process. I can't. I don't think I can even get a loan out for any sort of real estate thing until I show two years of profit from this business. So no I'm setting myself up for wonderful yeah. success. If I were you, I wouldn't worry about that. Like, or unless you want to. I mean, I don't know. There might be some listeners like, my cool, you should, but it's up to you, right? Like if you want to, yeah. if that's your thing, if that's not your thing, you know. So then what was the number you had to put down? I had to put my salary, which I think at that time was 270-ish, 250 or 270. It was somewhere in that range, 250, 270. I have a feeling it was closer to 270. And then I had at that time about 105,000 in stock. So I had to show them like all of those like investments. Um, over the years, I've also gained like a lot of Roth IRA stock. That was like my parents like present to us like every year. So yeah, that was like a blessing in disguise. Um, I did not know that existed until I graduated like dental school. And they were like, oh, hey, this is like what we've been doing for you guys like every year. 
So I showed like that Fidelity account. And then I also had to show my own stuff as well. So I think when I presented the numbers, I only had like 36K and like my own personal Roth IRA. I think the one that the Fidelity one that my parents had was around like 65, Mm -hmm. I think. Like it wasn't much like what they were doing, but it definitely compounded like over the years, which I'm so grateful for. Then my stocks were about like 105 and then my emergency was around like 60 something. Dude, that's, I'd be like, hey, you can retire if you want, if you want to live in a van. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is nice. <laughs> like, I, I don't think that's small at all, you know, but that's, that's me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's small well, at all. I, I felt proud of that. And I was like, yeah. for me, I was like, great. Like, let me take advantage of this time where I'm not paying off like anything else. The banks didn't make me feel that that was that good. So <laughs> you should have asked him, like, what do you? I know. Let me see your portfolio or whatever. Like, um, Robin Hood. You know what I mean? Like, this, you never know. Like, they. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait, I forgot about crypto also. I tried dabbling into that and that was just like, such a fail. So <laughs> I, I didn't even like tell them about it. But then I guess like when they ran my social or something, they're like, do you have like another portfolio? I was like, oh my God, it's like 200 in Dogecoin. Like, <laughs> me too. I tried to ride that all the way. And then I was like, oh. so I was like, look, like Elon is tweeting about it. Maybe my 200 will become 2000. Let that Dogecoin. It's like a dollar (laughs) to the moon, man. Make it. And then and then it just I still have it there. And it's probably like two cents now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. No, I I am pretty sure I sold it. I was like, sorry, Robin Hood. I'm getting off of this. (laughs) (laughs) No, man. No, but that's hilarious. Yeah. When I saw that, too, I was like, yeah, we got to. Gotta put everything we got. No, I'm just kidding. Well, Not everything, but like a good amount, you know? And I was like in the AMC hype. I was like in all those like little uh, like GameStop. Yeah. Yeah. That was we fun. Just, that was actually fun. I think it like made like stocks. I wasn't investing much, like something that I would have been like, okay, it's like a dinner out in like New yeah. York City. But it was fun to be like, oh my God, Robin Hood won't let me put more into this stock. Forget Robin Hood. Because the, <laughs> they stopped it. Yeah, I remember that. And I had to sign up for other stuff. And I'm like, oh. It was like Wall Street Bets, I think, was that Reddit thread or whatever. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. like, remember everyone's like, I put my life savings into GameStop. And I'm like, did you Yo. see the documentary? No, there's a documentary. It's a documentary on Netflix. Uh, look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you. I'll, I'll send it to you. You got to look it oh, up. Like yeah, it, it talks all about it. It talks all about how like people lost their lives and some people who like made their lives, you know, like it made them everything. Oh so, my God. Can you imagine if I took like all these numbers from my PFS and I put that into like GameStop and then like the bank's like, okay, where is it? And I'm like, oh my God, I lost it. <laughs> GameStop. <laughs> They're like, so They'll smart. Be like, yeah, you're in jail. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> They'll, They'll be like, do you want two? Do you want three loans? Tell us what. Tell us what you want. That'd be nice. No, but yeah, I wouldn't feel bad at all. Don't worry about that, man. Don't, I wouldn't worry about what they, yeah. you know what I mean? Like uh, you, you've done a lot. I think it was just like a very interesting process. It was like also like the first time I never really, I mentioned I'm single. So having like a spouse or one that you're married to, at least, I didn't realize like how much that comes into play in your benefit. Like when you're kind of going through this stuff, my friends that have gone through this that are married, they've been able to get stuff so much easier Mm. and it better rates even like a good amount of numbers. So it's just like kind of interesting. Like it's the first time also I've ever had to face myself with those numbers and like talk about it. So it was a good process, just a little awkward and uncomfortable for sure. My gosh, after this, I'm going to look at my PFS and be like $3 in everything. <laughs> there's a dollar in like portfolio. There's a dollar in and my no So I'll be doing the same thing. No, that'd, be, that'd be interesting. <laughs> okay, so then back down to your business plan. When yeah. you had to create it, did you have to talk about like your mission statement, your core values, all that stuff? How did that look like? Um. It was 
also one of the first times I kind of had to really sit down and like put what my vision and my interests were in words. It was like when I had to formulate like, okay, I want like more of like a PPO fee-for-service office versus like a Medicaid office. I wanted an office that like really focused like on experience and all of that. I worked with my consultant on it. And I think it just really enlightened me about like how much this actually really matters as you're moving forward in creating like the practice. So the business plan, first of all, like hiring a consultant was even part of that business plan, right? Like prior to the get-go, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I could research on all these Facebook groups and everything, but one mistake on my end could be really costly. So hiring a consultant was like, one of my top priorities to do. I'm just a very firm believer in surrounding yourself with people that know more than you and also surrounding yourself with people to be able to balance out what you don't know. And she has been doing that and I'm so grateful for her. Why'd you pick Jean? So first of all, I knew someone that had worked with her and he raved about her. There was like an Another ideal practices was like the one that kept coming up a lot on all of these Facebook groups and the transformations that they made. But their cost was so excessive that I was like, there's just no way that I'm going to be able to cover you. Plus, like everything else I'm going to have to cover in the future, like lawyers, designers and like all that stuff. I think their rate, you have to put a deposit and the rest of it comes from the loan. I think theirs was like, I want to say like close to 20 grand. Meanwhile, Jeans was like five or six. Jeans only five to six grand? Five to six for your deposit. But then the remainder comes from like the loans. But I think in total, hers comes out to about like 30-ish, 25 to 30-ish. I'm trying to- Oh, snap. I don't know. Yes. While Ideal Practices was coming out to like 60-ish grand. It was like a massive difference. And I, people are raving about her and- you also have to think about the value, right? It's not just about like them staying on during the build out process. Mm-hmm. What about like once you open, like you still need help to navigate. She stays on for a year. They don't. Ideal practice at the moment that your door is open, you're done. And I don't know any other consultants, so I can't like really speak to anyone else's practices. But like her staying on for an extra year after like I started, that alone was like worth the price. Yeah. Because I want someone to bounce things off with like, what are things we should be looking for? Like, what are some systems like I should be having in place? All of that really comes into play. And why yeah. should I be hiring someone again to be able to do that chapter when I can work with her for like these two years? Did ideal practices tell you that? Like, hey, yeah, we're only going to stick with you once the doors are open and that's it? Or A lot of people talk about it on these Facebook groups about how they pretty much end. I never got into that stage of the conversation like with them. I just know that they work with you up to a certain point. And then afterwards, they supposedly pretty much cost the same amount. And Jean, I think it's one of her sell points. She's like, I will stay with you on for an extra year. And I just never even thought about it until she said that. And I was like, oh, hold on. Mm-hmm. Does Ida practices not do that? And then when I looked back, I was like, oh, they don't. I always thought they did, but I guess they didn't. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-mm. I don't know anything about Jean, though. Jean was new to me. Oh, you- yeah. No, he's like fantastic. I think. One thing I appreciate, first of all, is like all my conversations have been with her. It's not with like multiple people. Um, She's become even more of like a friend versus like a consultant. Like she's very understanding. She's very lenient. She has like really good ideas. And I think she just goes out of her way to make sure that you're really focusing on what needs to be done. So we have like a biweekly conversation. We talk about the performa. I send her any quotes I get over emails in those times. She's like, oh, I think this one looks better. Or why don't you contact them about this? Because otherwise XYZ would be better. Mm -hmm. So it's just like nice to have like someone to bounce things off of because I don't know how much all this costs. And like 
as you're going through this, you're throwing so many numbers that like all of a sudden, like an extra thousand doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but it does matter in like your performa. A thousand could go to marketing, for example. So it's just nice to have like someone who's like keeping you in your place, but also is like giving you advice. Yeah. And your marketing plan budget, what's, uh, what's that look like? I think we put aside 28,000, I believe, for the year for it. But it was based off of um, what we projected, like my revenue to be if I had started sometime end of Q1. And so I think we were looking maybe the office being able to generate about 500 to 600 possibly, and then taking about like five to 8% of that. So just those like numbers and stuff is like what navigated that. For me though, I feel digital marketing is going to be like a really big thing for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to subset like other aspects in that performa to make sure my marketing is like covered. Yeah. Nice. I like that. And then so far, what expenses has shocked you that has really surpassed your initial uh, business plan budget? Oh boy. I'm sure everyone's going to say this, but the build out. So build out, I will say what we were generally expecting, I stayed within budget. So I think my build out was coming out to 495,000. Um, that's not including like dental equipment or anything, but that's like the plumbing and like phase one and like all that sort of stuff, 495. As we were going through the process, there were decisions I was having to make about like certain materials that I really wanted that were turning out to be so much more expensive with like all these COVID surcharges. So I had to like readjust like certain things like, okay, you know what? The mill work doesn't need to be done in every single room. Let's nix that so I have enough money to put towards something that's going to be in a high traffic area like my front desk. But there's little things that sometimes you just don't even take into account, like the permit costs. It ranges like city to city. So like where I'm opening up, it just happens to be a little bit more on the expensive side. So all of a sudden, overall, like the fire department, the permits for like inspectors, all that stuff landed up being extra like 10 grand. Oh my gosh, the permit costs? Yeah, like in total for like everything. Like what we had allocated with Beacon it just wasn't enough. And they also didn't know. They're, it was like one of those things that they were like, we just hope that this is it. This is like our average and it's more often than not fine, but it wasn't fine. Have you seen that like meme or gif where they, it's like fire everywhere. It's like a little dog coating his cup of coffee and he's like, this is fine. You see that? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, then the other big expense that I think was probably my biggest shocker. So when I was going through the negotiation, there's two things and they both involve my landlord. <laughs> so um, my building is new. It was just recently renovated in like 2019 and it definitely markets itself to be more of like a modern brand. And that was just very much in line with what I was trying to create. So I was very happy to be in that place. It was a very long negotiation process like with this landlord, but we got like a lot of it down. But there would be like vague things that were written. Like for example, when we were going through the design process and we, I was working with my designer slash beacon, we were like, hey, can we have like an extra employee entrance into the space just because it'll be part of the hallway? He's like, yeah, as long as it matches all the other glass doors. Now, this building was still going underneath all renovations of all the other tenants. So the glass doors that were in the building, when he mentioned that were your typical construction doors, like, I don't know, they cost like $700, like nothing really outrageously expensive. Oh no, lo and behold, when we got to that point in our project, the doors that this man wanted were $15,000, $15,000 for a double door glass door set that was fancy with like some security with, through an app, through your phone. And I was like, huh? Like uh-huh. you never once specified this like at all during like any of this. So that alone was like a cost. So I had to like readjust. I got rid of like that employee door. 
my double door entrance is now like a single panel door that has like glasses on the edge. And I was able to bring that cost down to about like 8,500. But like it changed my design plans. It changed like all this stuff. So it was just like constant like changes, 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 which also means like more labor and more money and all that fun stuff. Then the biggest expense involving him was about electricity. So we thought that he would be covering electricity into the space, meaning like wherever the electric comes from in the building, he would be running whatever it is into the space and we would create the space according to what we need. No, he was like, I'm not doing that. And we were like, are you kidding me? So I had to involve my lawyer in this. And it was like a four month negotiation thing because it was coming out to $28,000. Like it wasn't cheap. And then you mix in this door and it was like an additional 45-ish thousand dollars like on my budget, which I was like, what? And so we just kept going back and forth and there was just like no budging. And it was getting to the point that I either had to bring him to like litigation for this one stupid word, service in the lease. He claimed service was we provide the electricity and you do what you want with it. We were saying service is service to my space. Like, for example, when you rent an apartment, you don't bring the electric from the building's panel into yours. (laughs) You into the space and you think that you have electric. Yeah. (laughs) Common sense, right? But it was back and forth. I tried to say, can I get a couple more months of free rent to like allocate for like these costs? And I thought we finally because of like the threats of like litigation and stuff through like my lawyer and this back and forth, I thought we had finally gotten to a point where I would pay for the electric if he covered the door, which to me was like an even thing. I was like, I didn't ask for this door. This is not a tenant improvement, which he kept claiming the door and the electric were. So I had to use my TI money for that. So I thought we finally got on the same page. Turns out that was not the same page. He thought it was a loan. So all of a sudden he sends us numbers to sign off on where he would upfront the door, but then I would owe him in about four years, like almost double the cost of the door. Really? Yeah. And so I was like, what did I just pay my lawyer for (laughs) in all these like four months? Yeah. So it was, I have to deal with my landlord for 12 years. That's how long my lease is. And so I was like, it was a very difficult decision, but I decided to swallow it, hold it on right now. I have all the evidence from like our conversations And if he kind of pulls something like this again, then I'm going to go full force and be like, yo, this is like a repeating pattern. Yeah, maybe 12 years is a a lot for it to not repeat again, you know, but I don't know, maybe. Maybe. I'm curious, how, what's, how'd you find your lawyer? Like what? It was through car, actually. So car is who I use to find my space. I'll explain that in another. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Diana was like my, is the Connecticut rep. And so I had asked her who she had like worked with. She recommended two people. I vibed with this guy named Gregory. And then he was dealing with like my lease from the get-go. And I, he was like actually not bad. I feel like a lot of people that I was reading about spend between like five to 10K on mm-hmm. these lawyers. I spent 3,500. Oh. Yeah. And my lease was long. Like my lease was like 70 pages. Jeez. I know. Like this was like, yeah, that's why this negotiations like took like so long because he had to go word to word. But he did like, a very good job. And when I was dealing with this whole thing with my landlord, he was 100% on my side. Yeah, that's good. You always want that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then right now, how are you budgeting to make sure you're you're on track? So Jean's keeping me in track. <laughs> but there is definitely expenses I have to take on. Like it's just, um, you know, with the costs rising up like left and right, I've just had to front things. So I'm like fronting my, at least until like I get my final build out costs like figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I just need to keep fronting as much as I can. So I'm fronting like the insurance credentialing. I'm fronting some of the furniture, all of those sort of things. But I'm going through the budget with like Jean as much as possible and like things like I'm not on like a sidewalk. So signage, for example, doesn't matter so much for me. So I'm going to like forego the 7,500 that I put towards signage and putting that towards other things like this electricity and stuff like that. Electricity, which everybody needs. Yeah. That's exactly. so crazy. That's so crazy that he that he kind of well he kind of got away with it, but still, you know, like it's I know it's so dumb, <laughs> super dumb. Yeah, super. So Gene is the one every week you guys hop on and y'all are talking about the budget every week or two. Yeah, and then I have access to the performa. Yeah, uh, whenever I want, so I can always just like go in and check. Um, you know, initially I had no idea what was going on because everything was just so related to like build out. But now that we're getting closer to things like things like the signage, things like the marketing, things like the furniture, all of those like budgets are now like I'm becoming more aware of and like what my limitations are. Yeah. How many weeks are, are you left now with opening? I think like six or seven, if all goes well with the flooding. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So then Naomi, yeah. what's next? Now we're just like hoping for if everything is okay with the flooding, I'm in, everything is ready to go now. I just need my med gases to come survey the site, and then we can call the inspector in. And once that inspector comes in, then we're ready to, like, rumble over here. Or, or do things right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All righty. So with that being said, sign us out. All right. Well, this is Naomi. This has been so much fun talking about all the money. <laughs> for a little bit. I know. It has been. It has been. It's good. And then I will be seeing you next week to talk a little bit more. The office's handle is Little Denty Smiles. The... Facebook is going to be a little denty. And then my personal Instagram is Dr. Naomi Sadani. Awesome. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below. And then, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Yeah, I can't wait.